This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dina Malandraus. Thanks for listening. I'm Paula Villaplana, a second-year graduate student in the Critical, Curatorial and Conceptual Practices program at GSAP. I am speaking with Jan de Wilder in advance of his lecture at the school on September 24th, 2018. Jan de Wilder is co-founder of the Belgium-based architecture firm Architecten de Wilder Vink Telieu, along with Inge Vink and Jo Talieu. Their work focuses on the act of making, positioning architecture in the critical role of both craft and cultural production. The firm was recently awarded a Silver Lion at the 2018 Venice Biennale and has exhibited widely, often in collaboration with photographer Philippe Dujardin. Thank you for speaking with me today. It's a pleasure, thank you. What an introduction. Spoiler alert. About this and that and such and so on. This is how you often begin your lectures, recalling the framework that shapes your work. We would also like to start this way by asking you, what are the Wilder Wink Talieu's references and inspirations? A little bit this and a little bit that, something else and then something new. Mm, about references, mm, I think references, of course, a word which is nowadays the big tone talking about architecture. No one takes you serious if you don't refer to things. Well, it is, of course, we all refer. You cannot think without referring. Uh, otherwise, you would not exist. And the only thing about referring is, I think, that in our case, these references might be also framing a lot of dailiness. The things we meet at the street, the things that happens at the building site, are as valued as really referring to architectural or references from the art world. They are part of our practice and we dare to be open and white with it, but I think the dailiness and this kind of way of behaving, this kind of way of human things that come around are maybe fundamentally much more important as references. We have a collection of pictures we take ourselves about what we daily meet and those are fundamental part of every thinking in projects from designing till delivering the project. One of the most striking aspects of your projects is the way you work with rawness, displaying materials and processes in a very honest way. I'm thinking for example of the Rod Ellenberg house. Can you tell us a bit more about how you manage the tension between construction and design in your work? Mm, you used the word rune. That's true. Um, we never think in terms of the word rune. I think if you frame or you look to House Rotlenberg, the house is the result of a process, a deep process with the client. And this process is, to me, a question of revealing things. This starts when we design it and we propose a first proposal, which in this case the client totally denied, said like, I like it very much as such, but I don't want it, come back. 
This denial was, I think, to me, context. The context of really understanding what this client wanted or not wanted or what his way of observing or looking at the things was. So um, if you see the result of the house today, it is not because we wanted to give it an idea of a ruin or whatever. It is because how the way the walls appear, how the way they, by anyone or by everyone uh, appreciated unfinished appears, is not because this has been at any time an architectural goal or ideum as such. It is because of a process of revealing things, of being at first in designing phase together with a client in the house and taking away wallpapers, taking away doors and revealing things, but also throughout the building process, finding out together with a client that maybe ideas that we agreed on we could drop because of qualities we found throughout the process. And especially the building process here took quite a while because the client built it as good as completely himself. And that made that we made that project like Sunday afternoon, hot chocomalk with a fireplace. This was the designing of that project. And what you see has never been a goal. It was the outcome of those Sundays afternoons, of all those moments that happens in this building site project. And you could say is then Rotlenberg in a, in a special project in that sense. You could say as an example, you can make that very clear. But I don't think there is any other project in our portfolio that does not cope with that idea. Okay, you have different types of clients, circumstances, context, context and moments. And, and they all start with a building permit, also Rotlenberg. And then they go like clients also go. And Rotlenberg is in that sense a very open debate. I would not say the others are not open, but they are differently. But in any moment, in any project that many times changes has been made throughout the, throughout the turn of things. Drawing also seems to be like a very important aspect of your work. Uh, drawing is an action, drawing is a relief, drawing is a moment. This text accompanied the catalogue of Everyday Theatre, your recent exhibition at Beds project. Can you expand a bit more on what drawing is for you? Um, well, it's, it's of course what everyone says, drawing is thinking. But I think also drawing is not only thinking, but it's also an action. It is a physical action, uh, which is to me as important as breathing and, and, and taking every day a shower. Uh, this drawing uh, makes that ideas yeah, are relieved to not only to clients, to yourself and so on. So this drawing is, um, of course, a method or a kind of uh, instrument. But uh, at a certain moment, it changes also to be really part of the result. And... Um, I think in quite some projects, maybe why not all, there are traces of, of drawings in the final appearance of the project. Um, it is not one time only that it happened that we went on the building site, 
making drawings or changing colors or interfering as a way of bringing back an idea of a drawing in a building. The drawing over a building goes on constantly uh, from the first white page situation, which is never white because you are a human being, so you have luggage, till the delivery and far beyond the delivery. Um, in uh, many of our publications, or most in everyone, in every pub publication, we re-reflected on projects by redrawing them again. And by that we 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 have now quite an amount kind quite an amount of drawings, which in a certain way are about a project, but also become independent drawings. Independent drawings which are part for the next thing to happen. So I think if you start from the first sketch till the last sketch or the last drawing, they are also, as you are an architect, they are first of all, as you are as, as you are an architect, instruments to arrive somewhere. But secondly, they are also uh, independent things that become part of a larger, I think, a larger idea on what a drawing can be. Uh, you know, we are architects and we are expected to make drawings that are purely instrumental towards the project. Um, I do think it's more that it's more than that, an architectural drawing. In that sense, then you could say, are you not turning towards the world of art? And I would say, well, I don't know. I'm, I would not even reflect on that if it if it's or is it if it's not. But I do think that the drawing is also something independent. You were recently awarded the Silver Lion at the Venice Architecture Biennial with your project for Caritas, an all-psychiatric clinic in Mele, Belgium. I would like to ask you the same question you asked the site when you started the project. What do you do with a half-demolished building? Uh, in Europe nowadays, in Belgium, there is a lot to do about how we should get along with care in the future. This is not only a philosophical thing, or a social thing, this is of course also related to budgets. So if today in, in, in medical services, hospitals and so on, you hear a lot of times less beds, more quality, more at home and whatever possible. Psychiatry also has this uh, new future ahead. Secondly, is that this is a site of buildings of quite an interesting architectural history. It has been founded in the beginning 19th century, was at that time revolutionary because it created an open park like a campus with all kinds of different buildings with the same wise architectural complexity, but uh, everything together. And uh, as revolutionary it was at that time, you can imagine that after 50 years, rules, thinkings, philosophies changed, and those buildings started one by one to be outdated. Outdated need to be understood as being not anymore according regulations, because, you know, in those years, 40s, 50s, 60s, everything became regulated. That's why half of the campus disappeared and was replaced by new buildings, one of the 60s, of the 70s, of the 80s, of the 90s, each time just in architectural terms referring to itself, or let's say the fashionable ideas of that time, and never anymore 
in the whole campus idea. And uh, when a young director, man of my age, a couple of years arrived there, he was just confronted with the new demolishing of two buildings, of which was said that they could not cope anymore with those nowadays regulations. One building was as good as smashed down, and the one we talk about right now, they were just starting to strip it. They went in with a bulldozer for the first time, they took away the roof tiles, and then they discovered a lot of, a lot of asbestos. And the director halted the whole process and took from a time period advanced to say like, well, you know, I agree, we don't talk about regulations, we can't do anything with it anymore. But we cannot go on like this. We should, we should also take care of our history, about our, about our uh, leg, um, legacy. And um, he met a guy, which was called, his name was Gideon Bois from the office Bavo, also uh, raised architect and philosophy. Well, he finished that. And um, he was a long time studying already psychiatry and architecture, merely in the field of isolation of children and what architecture in that sense. So he was quite specific. Anyway, the director found uh, literature from the man and then they got together and they started a new campaign. Well, don't we use the word campaign? A new kind of thinking about the whole site. And then came, to go quickly now, a competition on this and this competition was a question when you see this building in its status as it is what could it eventually mean still for the site and for psychiatry saying that in fact thanks to the fact that they have to change thinking about bats and so on say like well could you invent with the building something that could help us in organizing therapies or experiences differently. Knowing also that seemingly, strangely, though psychology is felt as a mental thing, it has a lot of to do with space. So he invited three practices amongst us and we could say that you could do nothing with it and then they would demolish it. And our proposal was to stay as close as possible with what we've seen at that. Not to, uh, to let's say, celebrate it as a ruin, because we did all kinds of interventions and introductions. But those introductions and interventions are a little bit at the background of the perception of the whole thing, which made us becoming the architect of the project. And again, we um, have never stated the as uh, stated it as a beauty of a ruin we always said no it is a building that might be maybe dead for everyone right now but maybe it might reveal other futures and today the building is yes for some a building and for others not as it rains inside and whatever but the most interesting thing to me still is that the director said, maybe within 15 years, I make it back my administrative building. So it is not an idea of a ruin. It is an idea of a kind of cadavre that is then maybe not a cadavre, but maybe a new structure that leads in the frame of thinking today to the way it is used today, but maybe in a changing frame of thinking might become something else at the end. 
we realized for only 100,000 euros more, which I guess is like $125,000, this building that still is there, and otherwise it wasn't there anymore at all. And I think it's, uh, for me, in the field of architecture, it opens a lot of way of thinking how can we deal with what is given. I think if it comes to sustainable thinking, this is very important context as sustainable thinking and not global ideas of sustainable thinking. And then on the other hand, when it comes to psychiatry, uh, I understand that also for them, it helps even to change their ways of therapy and so on, as they have to deal or they are able to deal with a building in a different context. A therapy room is mostly very regulated and this is not regulated. And I would like to finish this conversation asking you about the future. What's next for the Wilder Bing Telia? What projects are and challenges will you be facing in the next months? You mentioned, of course, the Scaritas building. Uh, but we have a lot of other work also. On one hand, we have work which is continuing this kind of new thinking which also comes over in the Scaritas building. I have to say, I'm not yet ready with it myself, which is interesting that the project is not delivered as such, but also in your mind. So we are working in a much larger scale, a 60,000 square meter building today, on something also which is about it's a city it's a building middle of the city and the money which was provided for a specific let's say upgrade of a part of the building we proposed something else to reopen the building towards the city and to not make it an architectural point anymore but a kind of open park that goes now in the middle of the city and to provide money for the other parts of the building. So it's a project again in which economical strategies come together with spatial fantasies and so on, maybe like a little bit in Caritas. On the other hand, we are building today further on on our portfolio of um, uh, care projects, uh, elderly housing, service flats housing, and so on. So new projects uh, just in building site conditions. Next to that, we have a, a wide amount of real small building topics, which we still love to do with our office. I think um, I keep on saying to me that a practice that still can build houses, build schools differently. If you go to become a practice that grows from small to taller projects and forget the small, you become a realizer of program rather than a realizer of conditions of life. And there are a huge amount of small projects we are involved in in that sense. And then finally, of course, uh, what overcame us now since not only last years, but almost from the beginning is that seemingly our work is part of a larger debate uh, sometimes we are not aware about it, but that makes that we are participating in quite some exhibition events and making books and debating things. That goes together with teaching and that makes, I think, the circle around uh, if you ask me what a practice could or should be. Thank you so much and congratulations for your work. I think this is an, an inspiring way of wrapping up the conversation. Thank you for being here. The pleasure is all mine.
This podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu. Thank you.